next morning, you guys wake up because the tent that you're in starts to get warm quite quickly. You notice that you guys are surrounded by a bunch of vellum and skulls and shelves, and you realize that this must be Wiyuke's tent. She, uh, it looks like just kind of threw you guys on the, on the floor <laughs> on some, uh, on some buckskin pelts, but other than that, I mean, you guys are just there. Your boots are still on, and, you know, you guys are kind of sprawled out uh, on this floor. And The last thing we remember was our, our, uh, our visions? Yep. <clears throat> All right. Mm. I'm going to wake up and look over at Tom. Or, I am Tom. You're going to look in. You have a mirror <laughs> with you? <laughs> <laughs> I need another drink. I think you have too many already. <laughs> no, I got to get it just right. Like a sunken master. I sit up and I look at it and I say, I feel like I'm going to throw up. And also, I've never been so thirsty. Go get some well water. I had the strangest, most disturbing dream. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Whatever potion she had us drink sure was potent. Wonder where she is. I would like to speak with her. Um, just then the flap of the tent actually opens up and you see Wiyuke is she's not dressed in the fanciful attire from the night before where, you know, she had all the feathers and um, jewelry and stuff on and the headdress and whatnot. She's just back in her simple red bandana and uh, her torn cotton shirt. Um, and she's got a bucket that has something sloshing around in it. And she goes, oh, good, you're awake. Um, you must be uh, quite thirsty. And she goes over and grabs a couple of gourds and fills them with water and hands them to each of you. Thank you. After my drink, I say, <sighs> Where the hell did you send us last night? I didn't, I didn't send you anywhere. Um, we found that the essence of these spell-touched creatures have a certain hallucinogenic effect, but it, it's always rooted in something that's locked away in your brain or... Something that you've been told. Basically, your mind kind of runs rampant a little bit. Why? What did you see? So none of it was real. It was all in my head. Not necessarily. I, I've seen some things that have become quite real. Is it possible to communicate with other beings through these dreams? I feel like it might. You'd have to take a lot, though, and that's probably dangerous. I certainly have a lot to think about when I experienced. How do I go back? I, I suppose I could mix you up another batch. It's, it takes a little while to prepare. One for the road. I don't think that you should take it unsupervised, <laughs> but I'm also not... I'm not your commander or in charge of you in any way, shape, or form. So if you truly desire some, I will take the time to brew it. 
How long will it take? I could probably get it done in a couple of hours. I would be grateful. Well, you know, we've already put this lady out quite a bit, and I think I have enough to try to figure out in my head. Ignit, I'm not coming back here. This is the only person I've encountered who could create this cocktail, and I'm not coming back here. This is my one opportunity. If there was something out there, if I, if I contacted something, especially if it could answer questions to the things we've been dealing with, I would like to have access to that. Well, uh, Yuke, I don't know how hard it is for you to make this stuff. Uh, I reckon you really don't take gold as payment, so is there something we can do to uh, compensate you? I was going to ask if you would return here and tell me what you saw, Tom, but clearly that's out of the question. I have other ways to communicate. Why do you hate it here so much? What is there to like about this place? I am not an orc. Igmit just kind of gives him just the dirtiest look, like, shut the fuck up. I mean, I realize that maybe things have seemed a bit coarse to you, but it is not often that a true outsider gets to undergo a ritual like that. Uh, I mean, you you have been granted a great kindness. Yeah, where are your manners, Tom? <laughs> Good hell. <laughs> if you would be gracious enough for me to perhaps exhibit one more session of bad manners, I do have some per- particular questions for you that may be unusual. Um, we came here to speak with the chief, and you know him better than we do. You see, Fillmore has requested to meet with the man and discuss the issues with the mine in a more peaceful setting, and I guess my question is, how can we get this stubborn chief to go with us for this meeting? Well, Igmet is... Gijak now, so he he can approach the chief and and try and appeal to him somehow, but it's going to be hard. There is... It was hard to convince Urgot to send any emissaries to speak to Fillmore the first time. And that man was not exactly gracious. Well, things have changed. Igmit has had some discussions with him and they've gotten to know each other better he's gotten to be more open to the orcish side of things and uh, I just think that perhaps things could go smoother this time you know the mine is closed down he found down what now. we were warning him about didn't he <laughs> <laughs> well there's a curse in these mountains the mine is closed down for the time being I think a discussion between the orcs the humans and some enlightenment could help them to gain a better understanding especially since the issue of greed is out of the way i think you're gonna have a hard time convincing ergot to meet anywhere but neutral ground 
All right. Here's my first question. How popular is Urgot as chief? He's managed to be chief for five or six years now. That's an impressive feat. But correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like the only reason he's maintained his status as chief is because he's defeated anyone else in battle. That's not necessarily all of it. Urgot is a lot more cunning than you would perhaps think, staring at that giant head of his. And yes, I'm not a big fan of him, but he's not... He's not a bad leader. He has kept the Orogs in check. They've done little to no raiding on settlements. They've mostly settled for anything that they can find wandering through the desert. And by anything, I mean people, but... You know, it, it, it things used to be a lot worse. For, forgive me for my lack of uh, knowledge of orcish customs, but my my uncle Diabetes did, did teach me a little bit. I I know that if someone is unhappy with how the chief is doing things, there is a possibility that they could challenge the chief. And then, if they win that challenge, they'd become chief, correct? There is nothing incorrect about what you are saying. Hmm. I will say, though, that if you're thinking of challenging Urgot, I don't know your capabilities, but Urgot has slain many foes in battle. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm challenging him. I barely know the feller. I just, I'm just trying to get a handle of the current situation. And, uh, well, has anyone challenged him lately? It's been a good year, I would say, at least. Hmm. There's a few that I think may challenge him in the coming years, as Urgot has more seasons under his belt. We have things to to settle over in Fillmore's Crossing, but in the future, I, I do want to try and broker a, a peace deal between the orcs and humans. But for now, uh, I think Tom and I best be getting off. Tom gives him a nervous look. It would do you well to maybe try and speak for Fillmore or have him send some sort of emissary because Urgot does not like that man at all and there is a chance that he'll crush his head like a grape should he be rude again. Hell, I wouldn't mind that. (laughs) We don't much like him either. (laughs) Why are you guys trying to broker peace for him if you don't care for him either? It's not for him, it's for the people in the town. Hell, it's it's for the orcs, too. Everyone would benefit. Well, that's very noble of you, and I wish you the best of luck. Obviously, that uh, is a very worthy cause. I appreciate that. And uh, Igmet takes off his hat, he says. We, we really appreciate you healing us and sending us on that there spiritual journey I'm a man of simple words but it definitely touched me and uh, I 
I'll be I'll be chewing on what I experienced for quite a while. I don't think that you guys should leave until after you've hydrated thoroughly and eaten more and I mean maybe you should just wait around until the potion is done brewing. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll wait through the afternoon. Huh? I I don't mean we'll hightail it immediately. Uh, no, I'll start immediately so you can leave this morning, but I well, if you should need any sort of guidance with what you've experienced last night, I think that I think that I could be a valuable resource. And she kind of points over to all of the vellum that's uh, across this very roughshod desk, and she says, "I'm I'm literally writing the book on it." Huh. I didn't know orcs had a written language. We we absolutely do. You only speak it? Oh uh, yeah, I well I I don't exactly read anyway. Uh <laughs> don't tell anybody I said that any uh Yeah, I uh, I can just speak a little You're bit. You're in to be very honest. good company, Igmit. Don't don't you worry. There are plenty here that also cannot read at all. So this is nothing to be ashamed of. Well, maybe I can ask you a few questions about my vision. You wouldn't mind. So long as you don't mind that I'm going to begin working and she uh, goes and starts grabbing a bunch of flasks and, and retorts and things like that to basically start mixing up a potion and she adds a bunch of fuel to the hearth that this cauldron is sitting over and... Uh, looks at you and waits for a response. I don't mind at all. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, I saw a man that was named Igmet, but it was a human a, a human man named Igmet that was talking to me, but I oh, this sounds weird. I wasn't me. It looked like I was a child, and from what I could tell, I was a human child. And and this man was telling me a story, and I can't rightly understand what that means. It isn't uncommon to run into facsimiles of yourself or representations of maybe how you see yourself or wish you could be seen um is does part of you wish that more of your human side were front facing i guess to put it bluntly there are times when i wish i i wasn't half and half uh, you know when i'm with with the orcs i I wish I was full orc, and I mean, hell, they call me Baby Tooth here. Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I definitely stick out in both places. And so maybe, maybe deep down, I, I do have a desire like that. Sometimes, sometimes it's just showing you what's locked away inside your mind. Sometimes I think that that you need to face yourself and and I think that your brain knows it and this only encourages it more. 
Mm. I think it's the best way to describe it, but that depends. I mean, was there more to it? Was, what else did you see? The old man was telling a story about their family, and I don't know, the, the whole experience got me, got me thinking about having a family or being a part of, of something like a family, and, well, I've really almost always been on my own for most of my life, and it's got me kind of wishing I was part of something. Uh, Maybe this was just your brain's way of telling you that wisdom has been imparted on you, that that you have a tradition now that can be passed on, a legacy, even if it's not necessarily a human one. I see. Hmm. You're a mighty smart lady, Wayuke. Well, I appreciate that, Igmat Yazi. And she kind of clanks around some more uh, vials and things. And then uh, you see her, she goes into the back room and she pulls out uh, a small section of that giant fang. And uh, <laughs> she sets to shaving off part of it with a small metal file. You need any uh, wood chopped or anything like that? No, I've I've got pretty much all of my uh, supplies well handled. The majority of the villagers tend to give me different tributes and things in exchange for healing salves and different things like that, sometimes blessing their children or whatever it is that they may need. I, I do fairly well here. I see. Nice. It's, uh, it's all kind of bartering around here, isn't it? Gold doesn't have as much of a use here as it would in the city, no. But a lot of more rural areas are like that, where precious metals don't have a whole lot of value. It's precious tools and livestock. I, I, I told this, in fact, to, uh, to Tom when I first met him. I, I said that uh, humans are oftentimes trickier than, than orcs, and uh, I think that comes from the greed. Uh, you know, sometimes orcs can be bloodthirsty and sometimes downright awful, but I never heard of a greedy orc. Uh, you know, there's no lust for gold or anything like that. Uh, they're more simple folks, I think. There have been tales of some that lust for land and territory, but this is less common. Normally it's similar to what you said. Putting one's metal to the test, I guess, would be a good way to put it. So what about you, Tom? You seem kind of shaken about last night. I believe you sent me to hell. That wasn't the worst of it, though. I I think what disturbed me most is I got this sixth sense about me while I was down there. That maybe what I thought was hell was was actually that you sent me an image of Ernie and I had been deceived all this time. It's difficult for me to separate 
the questions I've been dealing with lately from reality, from dreams, from... I don't know what to make of it all. If I could go back, if I could interact with them, perhaps I could learn more. That sounds like an incredibly dangerous proposition, Tom. More dangerous than the fact that I've been serving a lie all these years. You don't know that. I mean... Everyone I've spoken to, all the greater beings, all the people that have been causing problems lately, or trying to fix them, I have gotten a sense from them that Ernie is not all that I have made him out to be. It's hard for me to know who the liars are. It was a terrifying and sickening vision, but I feel like perhaps it's the only way I can get some real answers. I think that you're going to do what it is that you think you should do, and so the only advice that I can give you is that make sure that if you're going to ask it questions, that you are late in the stage of your travels. I would hate for you to anger it and be trapped there for several hours dealing with whatever torment or... I mean, it might even kill you. How am I supposed to know what my duration is going to be? You won't. I've never taken as much as I'm going to prepare for you. You don't have to drink at all, but... I've also never been able to talk to any of these entities that I've experienced. Although I've never experienced anything like what you're describing. Most of mine have just been talking to me about the wounding of the desert spirit and some of her servants and just trying to understand exactly what it is that that they want me to know. The only thing that I really firmly grasp from their message is that there is a wound to the spirit and it begins where the control zone ends or the Imperium ends, or however you'd like to describe it. The wound? What do you mean? She's supposed to be all-encompassing, as far as I understand. She's supposed to be this energy that just emanates and flows through all of us. Mm. I will have some decisions to make uh, in the meantime. I don't know, Igmit, what do you say we... Swing by the marketplace while we wait for this concoction. Yeah, we can do that briefly. Uh, see if we can get something to eat quickly. As when he says that, suddenly Tom realizes how hungry he is. Well, be back, be back within the hour, um, and this should be ready. And, uh, be careful. I, uh, nod my head and walk out of the tent. All right. And you guys are headed towards the marketplace then? Mm-hmm. So the orc camp definitely seems less lively than it was when you guys got here the day before. And you would imagine that part of it has to be because they were up so late the night before, you know, uh, helping with the ritual and all that kind of stuff. But you still do see as you're walking past... Um, that large building where all of the orc children are training and stuff. They're already up and um, they have wooden axes and sticks and things and 
they're practicing combat, and some of them look very small to be uh, holding a weapon, um, like barely out of toddler age. Um, but the market is definitely not as busy as you probably would have expected, and um, there are only a few stalls that are open at this point. Like there's some uh, there's some farmers that are selling some of their uh, some of their vegetables, and uh, they also have some cactus fruits and things like that that they've foraged. And uh, you also see that there are several smiths that are already awake, and they're making different armor pieces and and things that are definitely not as well crafted as what you guys could buy in Fillmore's Crossing and uh, so yeah where would you guys what would you guys what are you guys looking for specifically um first uh, I'm gonna start looking for meat that's being cooked yeah you uh you find a, a guy who's uh roasting uh like a stag carcass over a fire and it looks like it might be done soon or it already is done like the skin is very crispy on it and it smells pretty good at this point as well i i walk over to him and i'm how you doing feller good what do you need yeah uh here's the thing i haven't had any cat meat here in a couple weeks you got any on hand or anything else. Armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I, armadillo's pretty good. Uh, have you have you had it yet, Tom? No. Well, it's your lucky day. Um, anything is better than the first suggestion. I don't know what you have against eating cats. They're delicious. <laughs> much for the armadillo what you got well give me your hat oh i'm sure he has no use for my hat hat good we trade <laughs> do you like incense candles i like hat <laughs> belts anything <laughs> i scowl at ignit as I reluctantly remove my hat and hand it to the guy. You're buying me a new one later. Yeah, yeah. He actually hands you his uh, tattered straw hat that he was wearing, <laughs> and like basically like he has no use for it now, and he puts your hat squarely on top of his head, and uh, he throws a couple of armadillos directly onto the coals. I kind of cringe not knowing where it's been or how much sweat has been on it. Or blood or any other number of bodily fluids, but I put it on my head anyway. I mean, it's a little bit too big, so it kind of hangs down past <laughs> your ears a little bit. Um, but other than that, it's it's definitely going to keep the sun out of your eyes and off of your bald-ass head better than nothing would. I could get used to this trading stuff. <laughs> he hands you guys each an armadillo on a stick and says, Peel off shell! I start work trying to work at the shell as I say, Sure, bargaining's easy when you use other people's things. <laughs> how, how difficult is this shell? I don't know. Just tear at it with your tusk. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Use your fingernails. <laughs> can, I, can I just do it? it? 
it takes you a little while, but you eventually can kind of peel back the armor on this thing to start biting at the flesh. It's bland, but it's not bad. I'm hungry enough to tolerate it. And I want to uh, walk down the street as we're eating and look for anything that either could be of use in our journey or useful for our quest or uh, a good novelty that would go for a price in Fillmore's Crossing or whatever. <clears throat> Why don't you go ahead and make me an investigation check? Nine. You don't really find anything that you're super interested in. It seems like the majority of this stuff is fairly low quality or the stuff that is really nice just hasn't opened up yet. Hmm. Well, I don't see anything here that catches my eye. But, um... Why, why the <laughs> hell are you talking like that? Well, I've got a mouthful of armadillo. This stuff is kind of too... Your mama never teach you to eat with your mouth full, talk with your mouth full. You know, I might be a half-orc son of a bitch, but at least I got some manners. I can never predict which part of you is going to be human and which part is going to be orc. <laughs> I told... I, <laughs> I'm a novelty of the ages. I tell you what, boy. <laughs> You seem in an awful big hurry to get back to Fillmore's Crossing. Are you quite certain that dragon's not going to kill us if we don't return with the chief? Uh, and I lower my voice. If we don't return with the chief. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm, uh, I just got a feeling that... I don't know. I just got a feeling. Also... I don't think we should stick around here very long. I mean... Both of you guys roll me an insight check. Nine. Fifteen. So, Igmit, you all of a sudden know what that feeling is. It's the third day. Fuck. What is it? What's the matter? It's the third day today. Oh, is that still going on? I figure... Also, the chief's deputy, uh, he was giving us hell before Waiuke came in. That's, I think, I think that has me worried, too. can only hope that Falk and the demon lady have things under control in Fillmore's Crossing. I don't think we're going to be able to make it back in time. Well, yeah, it's quite a ride. You know... I hadn't even thought about this until now, but what are we going to do if that demon, not the demon lady, but the actual demon meets us in the road again? I don't know. Uh, I sure as hell can't just fight him with weapons. Doesn't work on a feller like that. I don't even know what we're going to do if we meet the dragon in the road again. This whole thing is just... Well, it's it's not a fair fight. <laughs> I feel like I'm surrounded by all these powers that are just toying with us, and I grow rather weary of it all. Well, all we can do in life is roll with the punches and get up when we can and punch back if we can. By this time, we've circled back to the meat shop again, having made our round and not found anything, and I go up to the, uh, the, vendor, the, the cook guy and I say, I'll trade you this nice straw hat for another armadillo. I don't have use for hat. <laughs> have nice one. And he points up at the one on his head. 
What else you got? Tom rolls his eyes and says, Never mind, have a good day. You know what? While we're here, I promise it'll be quick, Tom. I think that we need to get us some buffalo coats. I didn't see any buffalo coats. I'm gonna look. And I walk through the tables and stuff to see if anyone has any hides for sale, stuff like that. Roll me a uh, investigation check. Okay. Fucking Tom Enigma, gotta go shopping. <laughs> well, that's us. Uh, just a 14. So you find a guy that is selling various hides, and he has one not musty looking, but definitely older looking. Like it's, uh, it seems as though it's been sitting for a while, but he has one buffalo skin. The rest are mostly just buckskins and, uh, and then smaller leather from, uh, from like rattlesnakes and things like that. Hmm. I don't know, Tom. Isn't very good quality. And, uh, well, I, I wanted to send you back to Farport with a souvenir, but I don't know. This ain't much to be proud of. It's not entirely my style at any rate. But, man, they'll keep you warm, I tell you what. <laughs> As the sun is beating down on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we return to the witch? Yeah. I'm just saying, come wintertime, up in the mountains especially, gets real cold. I hope that I will not be here by that time. Well, with how this mystery's going, who knows how long <laughs> you'll be out here. If we keep shopping, I'll be here for another year. <laughs> you were the one that said you wanted to go to the market, goddammit. That was before we started talking about demons and dragons and deputies and third days. <laughs> you guys find yourself back at Wii UK's tent. Howdy, ma'am. Hey, I'm, I'm just finishing up. It'll just be a few more moments. Did you guys find what you were looking for? Oh, yeah, we just got something to eat. I, um, I also have another sort of gift for both of you, um, if, if that's all right. And, uh, she hands you guys each a, it's just a simple leather band, um, long enough to hang about, right about your sternum around your neck. And then on it, there is the, uh, talon of a, of a, of a large bird of prey. Oh, fuck yeah. And, uh, she says, uh, if, if you, uh, if you, if you speak the command word into it, it will, uh, well, it'll bless you for a short period of time. And so, you know, I hope, I hope that it brings you, you guys protection. And then she grabs the, uh, the potion and it's basically just in this dried out water skin. And it's very full, and she hands it to you, Tom, and says, Please be very careful. Very well. And just to let you guys know mechanically, that uh, that uh, pendant that you guys got basically casts Bless on you for one minute. Cool. Once per day. Nice. 
Well, Y.U.K., I, uh, I don't know. I wish I could pay you back somehow. Uh, I was told that I should help you, and that is why I stepped in when Gija was, well, giving you a rough time about something that he himself could not accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again, and if, uh, you ever need anything... You can send word to Fillmore's Crossing. I'll probably be around there, and I can try and help you. Um, but I, I, I do think we'll be back, or at least I'll be back, and uh, I'll be sure to catch up with you. If you ever find yourself in Two Rivers again, or ever, I guess, tell Ansel Adams that I say hello. You know Ansel Adams? Yeah, I I spent some time in Two Rivers. I lived there for a bit when things here got a bit rough. Well, ma'am, I hate to be the bringer of bad news. I was in Two Rivers a few weeks, maybe a month back, and uh, I was playing poker with Mr. Adams and some sons of bitches came in and shot up the joint burnt the place down and last I saw Mr. Adams was shot on the floor I don't know if he made it or not um I'm guessing he didn't but uh I tell you what I shot the gang leader myself, and I happened to have his head here on my belt, (laughs) and uh, I showed it to her. That's what that disgusting display (laughs) is? Yeah. Uh, And uh, we killed most of his gang. Uh, One of them is still in jail, Fillmore's Cross, and uh, I intend to hang him. Um... I'm very sorry about your friend, ma'am. But He was uh, a good man. He always treated me well. Some folks in uh, Two Rivers were a bit suspicious of me. and mm-hmm. He let me sit at the poker table like anyone else, and he was a good man. Yes, good man indeed. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to... I, I have some things that I have to finish, and she... Uh, kind of excuses herself. Alright. Uh, and, uh, we leave. Can't remember, did we bring double horses on this trip? You did not, but you could try and barter for some horses if you'd like. You have some extra guns, those would probably be pretty valuable. Do we see the stable? Yeah, actually, so one of the things that you do notice about this, uh, stable is the horses seem really, really well-bred. As though the, cause, and you can see that the, that there's an orc standing out in the middle of the, the field of horses and he's kind of just admiring them and he's got this broad white hat on and his, um, his cotton clothes are again, kind of tattered, similar to most of the orcs that live in this camp, but just the way that he carries him and the the kind of sense of pride that you can see just in general. Um, I assume you guys would like to start 
crossing the the field and go talk to him? Absolutely, yep. And so, Igmit, as you get closer to him, you see that one of his tusks is... One of his tusks is about four inches long. The other one is just kind of like a jagged, broken piece that's maybe a half an inch in one spot, and it kind of goes up to a bit of a point that's off-center. Um, mm. And his jaw is definitely a little bit crooked. And you would assume that he's probably been kicked by a few horses in his day, just judging <laughs> oh, yeah. by the look of this man. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, he approaches you and, and waves and says, Howdy. <laughs> Howdy. These are some fine-looking horses you got out here. I've never heard an orc say howdy before. We would like two horses. What do you have to offer? Um, I don't know what horses usually go for, but I could, uh... Well, I have this pennant. And I show him the bird talon pennant. No, don't, don't. <laughs> My UK gave us a... Uh, it was made, crafted by the witch lady. You could use it for any number of things. You can probably hang it around the neck of your horses and they'll be better at riding. All of these horses, tall drinks of water. You give better than that. Well, uh, I get off for... We got some extra rifles, I think. I cut him off, nervous that he's going to try and sell off more of my clothes. Uh, I could offer my services. I have some unique Rifles, talents. you say? Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we've got two rifles here. Uh, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, I don't know what the going rate is out here for horses, but it's... This bargain drives hard. You need more. What if we add a revolver? My balls are breaking. <laughs> this... We are travelers. If you're going to bargain with us, you're going to have to come down a little bit. We can only carry so much with us at a time. Here, you can have one of my tomahawks. And these are my prized possessions. Two rifles, revolver, tomahawk, two horses. Deal. Sounds good to me. And, uh, I spit in my hand and reach out to shake. He does the same. Thank you. No. My whistle needs thirst. Shall we get drink? <laughs> sure. For once, for the first time this morning, Tom perks up. You, um, so you guys head into the stables, and he's got, he's got just a bottle of whiskey that's uh, chilling up on one of the boards, and he takes a swig of it and hands it to you, Igmit. I take a drink and pass it to Tom. <laughs> Saints be praised. I take a drink too. Surprisingly large one for <laughs> for what they might expect a human to have. <laughs> he pulls a uh, a cigar out of a out of a small uh, like little cardboard box, and he offer like he holds it out and kind of offers either of you to take one as well. I feel like for once we're all speaking the same language, and I take a cigar. I politely wave it off yes that is the language I am speaking 
<laughs> and uh, he goes and he grabs um, he grabs a very nice uh, painted mare and uh, hands the reins to you, Tom. And uh, he gets a very strong-looking chestnut-colored stallion um, for you, Igmet. And yeah. hands you the reins to it as well. Nice. And he uh, even he even puts a little kind of roughshod saddle. It's it's basically just a wool blanket over the horse's back, and then just a very small leather saddle that's strapped uh, over it. But it's definitely serviceable. But it's not as nice as the saddles that you guys have on your horses currently. I see. Well, um, I'm gonna admire the horse and. You know, just kind of adjust its mane and thank you very much. This is some fine horse flesh you got here. Y'all here now and come back, yeah? <laughs> I definitely will. I appreciate it. Any tips is that to you guys both as you uh, as you guys uh, head out? Well, that was a pretty good deal. Tom takes a puff on his cigar. Aye, the best deal. <laughs> <laughs> that was very Cagney-esque uh, but also in Tom's <laughs> voice <laughs> are you guys headed out of the camp then? yeah yeah let's just get our other horses and uh, head on out so Aikman go ahead and make me a survival check that's a nat 20 plus 3 okay so it is exactly 8.19 in the morning when you guys are leaving from uh I was literally just making you roll to figure out what time it was when you guys were leaving. But because you got a nat 20, like you, you know down to the minute that it is 819 when you guys are crossing the gates and into the threshold of all of the trees that have been uh, left felled and stumped around okay. this orc camp. And uh, why don't you guys both give me an animal handling check as you hya. Roll for hya. 18. Six. A six? <laughs> Sadly. So, Tom, you take off into these woods at breakneck pace. And Igmit, your horse just seems to be having trouble with either... Are you on, are you on your new stallion or are you on your, uh, your normal horse? I'm on my normal horse. Okay, so I think that your normal horse might just be a little bit jealous of the fact that you've got another new horse. And uh, so you're just, you're having a little bit of trouble getting it to, you know, weave through this this path as well as Tom is. And Tom is getting ahead of you rather quickly. And you're kind of embarrassed by this. <laughs> I look back and wave him forward. Hold on a minute. And you eventually, uh, if Tom is uh, gonna slow up a little bit, you guys eventually kind of start matching paces and then you can speed up at the same pace and kind of ride on Tom's good roll. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now we're both agreed that if we see this demon in the road, we're just going to, well, run for our lives, yes? Yep, that's the plan. And the dragon, we're just gonna tell him that we're still working on it. Yep. 
Very well. Yeah. You guys go at breakneck pace for the next couple of hours, and your horses are lathered in sweat at this point, and they're starting to chomp at the bit, and you can you can tell that they're they're starting to get tired, and you're going to need to either slow down just a little bit, or change horses over, or take a little break, whatever you guys would like to do, but you're starting to get into the open desert, and they're definitely starting to have a little bit of trouble. It's probably about... No, I take that back. We'll still rock with your nat 20. It is exactly 1024 in the morning as you guys get out of these woods. Igmit the atomic clock. (laughs) I reckon we should uh, switch out these horses here pretty quick. We've been riding them pretty hard. Did we bring anything for lunch? Uh... Check your saddlebags. Y'all refilled your water and stuff. Uh, I could shoot us something if if you need me to. As long as it's not a cat. I'm gonna look for some rabbits or something. Alright, so you guys are still in the scrubland. Like, you haven't... If you remember, the majority of this was scrubland. And so, Igmit, why don't you roll me a survival check while Tom is tending to the horses then? Fifteen. So, Igmit, you're gone for approximately 30 minutes, and you return with a couple of rabbits to roast up. While he was gone, Tom got what he thought might be a really smart idea, and he, like, hid the horses kind of behind a rock, and then, uh, (laughs) it's kind of, so when Igmit returns, there's no one there, and Tom obviously doesn't remember that Igmet is an excellent tracker and everything, so he thinks he's pretty sneaky. Why don't you go ahead and roll me a survival check, Igmet? Add advantage, because you just came back from a successful hunt. 17, and I'm glad that was advantage, because my first roll was a 1. So you follow Tom's trail directly behind this rock, and uh, you just see him kind of dicking around with, uh, with, one, with one of the horses trying to give them water. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Tom jumps out of his skin. Were you trying to hide from me? Damn it. No, I was just giving the horses some water. I, if I wanted to, I could track you to hell and back. All right, there's no hiding from me out here. Well, where were you when I needed you last night? That was a vision. (laughs) Tom rolls his eyes that his humor falls on completely deaf ears, and he says, (sighs) Shall we be on our way? Cook these rabbits, please. Ugh. Obviously, uh, I have no idea how to go about doing that. So I think Tom thinks that um, you can just, he kind of, he's seen him do it with like a deer and stuff. And so instead of pulling the skin off, he just tries to gut it and pull meat out. So he like slices it, (laughs) slices it down the stomach. (laughs) He slices it down the stomach and starts trying to like cut bits of meat out of this thing. Are you like then putting it on skewers to put it over the fire? Like, what are you? Uh, what are you <laughs> yeah, doing with it afterwards? He'll just 
<laughs> well, I'll say uh, he's kind of got a long skewer and he's tried to make a makeshift spit that he can twist these like internal organs on. And he doesn't really know like what organs are good or not good. So he's just got like random ones on a skewer. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like probably like kidneys and liver and all sorts it, of like maybe the bladder. It smells awful because Tom has <laughs> clearly cut the stomach open. And like when he was twisting the intestines out, like... It just smells oh, awful. Tom, what the hell are you doing? I, I'm doing it just like I saw before. No, that isn't how you cook a... You just ruined our lunch. I mean, it's all still here. I'm sure we can salvage something. You got the intestines all over <laughs> the damn... Yeah. There's like rabbit poop everywhere. Oh, yeah, there's shit all over the inside of the body cavity of both of these rabbits. Like, I think Tom probably got, like, a, a couple of small pieces out uh, successfully before he did this. But at this point, you guys are having a very, very light lunch, even though you should have eaten like kings. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to have an extra steak at the Crossing House. Let's get going. And once again, just like before with the jerky, Tom really feels the need to demonstrate that everything's okay. So he, like, eats some of the really gross parts and he toughs his way through it. All right, go ahead and make me a constitution saving throw. (laughs) Uh, 12, 13, 15. Your stomach doesn't feel great, but you don't puke. (laughs) See, it wasn't that bad. I, uh... I ate mine for an orc. You're awfully picky about you're awfully picky about your food. I don't eat rabbit shit. That's that's a personal <laughs> policy of mine. All right. I've eaten some foul things in my life, but rabbit shit ain't one of them. Uh, Tom kind of burps again and gets on his horse. You know, what do you city boys learn when you growing up? Good <laughs> lord. If you would like to know, I can recite you several verses from the Book of Ernie that may benefit you in... And he starts droning on. No, before I eat my scattergun, no. <laughs> <laughs> so are you getting on your horse and uh, heading out then, Ignat? Yep. All right, so why don't you guys go ahead and both roll me an animal handling check again. 16. 14. So this time you guys get off at about the same pace, and um, you guys ride for another probably five or six hours this time because you start to find the more wide-open trail, and it's more of a straight shot, and the horses don't seem to tire as quickly, especially since you're on your brand new horses, and they just seem very, they seem very sturdy and fleet of foot, but uh, Igmit, you're definitely positive that you guys are going to have to camp out one more night in uh, in the wilderness okay. before you guys um, before you guys can make it back to Fillmore's Crossing. And it's not really quite time to start camping yet, but you probably have to look for a spot within the next couple of hours. Okay. Um, can I just take a moment just to examine the horizon, look out for any potential threats, any points of interest? Why don't you go ahead and roll me a perception check? 
right? And because I'm in my favorite train, I get advantage, right? Yep. God damn it. I got a one <laughs> and then I got a two. <laughs> Everything seems fairly safe moving forward. Uh, okay. I suppose this is as good a spot as any. Um, I wish the horseman had given us the entire bottle of whiskey. You know, maybe you drink too much. Maybe you need to shut up and let's open up this. And I pull out the magic potion from the witch. <laughs> no, no, Tom, Tom, no. Good Lord. I was only kidding. Put it away. And then I give it another side glance. Only kidding. I don't know why you want to take that when the shaman woman isn't here to help in case there's a problem. I think I can manage just fine. She's not the only one who knows about magic and spiritual things, you know. Well, it was interesting. A lot to think about, but I don't know. I, I think there should be a professional around when you do that kind of stuff. The entire thing may be a whole load of, well, bullshit, as you like to say. No, I don't know. Are you making fun of the way I talk? Listen, if I'm going to fit in around here, I gotta start somewhere. Well, I don't think you'll fit in around here, period. I don't think you'll fit in around here, period. Now you listen here right now, <laughs> Thomas DeWeese. You give me that cramp one more time, I will bury you out here in the desert. And nobody, nowhere, will ever know what happened to you. <laughs> Tom pokes at the fire. That's right. Both of you make me a perception check, please. 23. 14. You guys can both hear the sound of someone approaching uh, from the southwest. I pull my scattergun out. Draw my pistol. And Igmit, you're probably the only one that can kind of see this silhouette. Because, um, Tom, you know, you kind of only have vision a little bit beyond the light of this fire. And you see that they've got uh, not a very broad-brimmed hat on. And they're not very stocky. They're kind of slenderly built, and they're walking closer. And as they step into the firelight, you can see that they've got on a very fancy brown, well-laundered suit and a very plain and forgettable face, but definitely one that both of you guys remember. And you can see that the shadow of, of the firelight is this enormous creature with four arms and this long tail and these legs that are bent at these impossible angles, but the man just smiles and stares at you. I lower my scattergun. What do you want? To tell you that your friends are dead. Bullshit. Believe what you want. It matters not to me, but I can tell that your friend, Tom, is having a bit of a 
crisis of faith, wouldn't you say? I look over to Tom. Why are you here? I have been imprisoned for so long. Isn't a bit of fun all we've ever wanted from the world? Are you here to kill us, or are you here to converse with us? That depends... On... You. Well... I'm not interested in dying just yet, so... Care to take a seat? We didn't do nothing to you. I don't know what the hell's going on. Ignis, Ignis, Ignis. You have done things to me. You have foiled so many things. And really, it's almost a shame I will have to eventually kill you, should you not accept the bargain. I'm listening. It's the same as it always was. Leave. Come back in. About 12 days, and we will strike a new accord. We just did leave. We've come back, and you've informed us that our friends are dead. And that's some motivation. They weren't agreeable to the bargain. Alright. We know that you've got us beat if you really want to. So, just tell us we've got to leave for 12 days. And then people will stop dying. Is that right? No. That is not right. You will not die. I require blood in order to fuel the bargain. Well, I mean, I can kill some people for you, just depending on who it is. <laughs> A shrewd offer, Ignis, but I do so enjoy doing it myself. Tell me why you haven't simply killed us along with the others. If you join me, and I think once you see the exact parameters of a bargain that are almost limitless, you will end your power to mine. I almost might be willing to consider the proposition if you could answer some of my questions, which you so astutely observed. He walks over and uh, he flips over one of the buckets that you guys have sitting around uh, the area and he sits down on it next to the fire and rubs his hands a little bit and seems to kind of warm them by it, <clears throat> which is kind of an <laughs> odd thing for him to do, but... All four of them? Well, no, he's uh, he's in a human form. It's just his shadow that uh, has four arms. Oh. <clears throat> Ernie, tell me all you know about him. Do you really want to know? More than anything at this point. Ernie is dead. There is no more Ernest Valentine. There is a baleful spirit that rules over the only plane that's left. I don't know what that means. Can you tell me anything about this spirit? There is a lot that I could tell you, Tom. How do I know that you're not just trying to extract information only to refuse the bargain? You yourself perceived that I'm very uncertain about things right now. 
And if the things that you say are true, then you also know that I am a bit ignorant in all the things I've learned throughout my life. I suppose there's a possibility of me looking for a new goal in life to pursue, or a new master. This is quite the change of heart. Yes, well, it's been an interesting few days. Right. And he looks over at you, Igmit, and says, What do you think, Igmit? Tom's face is his business. I just... I just don't want to die, and I don't want to see any of my friends die. Beyond that, I really have no loyalties. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, if you're not going to kill us, we will be returning to Fillmore's Crossing in the morning, and if you haven't killed our friends, as you say, then... We'll see what happens. If you have killed them, well, at least you've demonstrated some honesty. You're not going to take the bargain, are you? Tom smiles. No. Well, we no. Mm, 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 Tom. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. We can't say unless we really know what the bargain is. Let me complete my work. But I know you cannot. It really is a shame. It really is. And he stands up and steps into the center of your campfire and moves his hands a little bit and the fire flares up and he disappears. But you see that the fire is still roaring and crackling and it's probably 10 feet tall at this point. And you see that the fire is starting to anthropomorphize, where it's like starting to develop arms and legs, and it's growing taller and getting wider, and these flames are getting much, much hotter. Like, you guys can feel the heat on your flesh as this is growing. And it takes another few seconds before you realize that the tip where these flames are flickering the most is sort of like a head-like area. And the flames are so hot that in the center mass of it, uh, like its torso-type area, it is white hot. Like, almost blinding. Like, Tom, you could put on your sunglasses right now and it's dark out, and it would be absolutely fine. This is so bright. And that is where we're going to end this session today. Fillmore's Crossing and the formation of LCP-DND has been an incredible journey. We're quickly coming up on the end of this season, and we want to thank you all for listening. As always, if you like our show, we have so many huge plans for its future, and you can help support our ongoing adventures by pledging any amount of money at patreon.com slash lcpdnd. You can tell others about the show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, or purchase merchandise at sonerdware.com slash LCP using the code LCP at checkout to get 10% off your entire purchase. Tim Demuse, the DM, is on Twitter as at Ida Grab Your Gun. 
Wesley Sullivan, who plays Igmet, is at Wide Wide West. I, Brian Bridges, the player of Tom, am at Manly Brian. Chris, who plays Falk, is at Chris Riley LCP. Our guest, Kim, who plays Alavari, is at Metzgirl, that's M-E-T-Z girl, and she can be heard on the podcasts Beholder's Eye and Service Desk. Things are about to ramp up to terrifying levels. So we'll see you next time on Fillmore's Crossing. I'm here to make you an offer that you can't refuse. Cosa Nostra is a tabletop RPG where you get to be the bad guy. Join the mob, commit crimes, earn respect. You can find a link to our Discord at CosaTTRPG. That is at K-O-S-A-T-T-R-P-G on Twitter. See you there. A dead acolyte, her puzzle box, a city festering with secrets, and four individuals working to uncover those secrets, as well as those contained within each other. Individuals. <laughs> I think of myself more as a hero of Mithrin. Well, I didn't sign up for any of this hero business. I call myself a researcher, because that's what I am. That's all rubbish. We are adventurers. We will squeeze every drop of adventure out of this city or die trying. Join us on the adventure by listening to Little Realms, a Dungeons & Dragons 5e actual play podcast, and by following us on Twitter at PodRealms. May your journey be journey successful. successful. <laughs> Damn it, Candace. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you know that Tim was a guest on the Rolling Misadventures podcast? It's been a while and it only just now occurred to me that I should probably give you a glimpse into that show. They play a game called Fiasco and their adventure is set in the 1920s. And with our inspirations, the movies that are related to this playset, we have Chicago, obviously, The Front Page, Eight Men Out, The Untouchables, Road to Perdition, Native Son, Murder by Numbers, and Scarface. Shit, that's a Good list of movies. Those are all good movies. On the show, he met his fucking match. I think it's funny that The Untouchables was not... Uh... It, 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 it is, though. <laughs> oh, it is? I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Keep up, Tim. We move very quickly on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Megan had great chemistry with Tim, and she was so fucking quick. And uh, I'm playing Sebastian Bash Malone, who can uh, throw any kind of bash that you're looking for. You need someone who can uh, drop a few clams, get you some dames with a good set of gams, or uh, maybe put somebody in a pair of cement shoes for you, bash as your man. Um, Jesus, I don't know if I can do that the whole time. <laughs> but she did. Hey, Percy, how's my boy there? You looking, ain't you just looking like the, the caterpillar's kimono, the snake's hips, the kipper's knickers, the elephant's manicure, as it were? <laughs> I'm so confused right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I said. I said you look. You looking good, kid. Hey, how'd it go? Had uh, had Frank. Had Frankie uh, take it. She kept it up for two episodes of frantic role playing with Tim. And I'm Percy Florentino, uh, grandson of Frankie the Fang Florentino, from out of town. But uh, we we got a we got a familial relationship, and uh, I need to get out from under my grandfather. So uh, I'm just looking 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 to make a change, some big moves. It's a two part adventure, and it's a blast. Go check it out on The Rolling Misadventures. The episodes are called The Rolling Twenties, Acts 1 and 2. 
I'll also drop a link in the description of this episode. In the meantime, here's the first couple minutes. I think so. Uh, Frankie is probably, you know, at, at his at his house, probably a larger palatial type of state. Oh, yeah. And he's maybe he's maybe in his study or something like that. And I think that Percy wants to go and and basically make a request that, uh, you know, he start taking on more serious work. Yeah, yeah, I like and, that. Uh, and, and, you know, start being a more serious member of, of the family and stuff like that. And I think that Frankie is probably just going to not take him super serious. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Sounds good. Okay. So Frankie's sitting in his kind of his study, that big old oak desk with a, with a roaring fire kind of off to the other wall. Some nice plush chairs sitting in front of the desk. And Frankie's just sitting down there going over some paperwork. Some, uh, not necessarily notes of protection, but he's looking over different deeds to the city of places that he's helping out. So, uh, Percy walks in and the first thing that he does is he removes his hat. You know, he's got a fedora on and he kind of straightens his tie and stuff. And he, he walks up and, and he, uh, and he kneels down immediately and kisses the ring of his grandfather. And he says, Grandpa, I, I, I hear that you, you, you're going to be throwing a, throwing a big potty soon. Uh, yeah, you know, this, this city, it's just, it bores me. Day in and day out, we do the same things. A little bit of protection here, a little bit of uh, laundering over there. Not to be confused with protecting the laundromat, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I remember when when I first took over this city, we just had the craziest nights. We had women everywhere, music, drugs, alcohol. And I kind of miss that. And I think that that's what the city needs. We need to liven things up. Remind people what the Florentino name means. Well, I, I, I heard that you were, you were planning on sending uh, Chucky Gravano to go and, uh, go and grab the potty favors. And I think that that's, that's a bit of a travesty there, Grandpa. I, I, think, I think you should send a Florentino. I mean, I get...